Hi, and welcome to the Overflow Podcast. I'm Chuck Ammons, teaching pastor at Overflow Church in Brandon, Florida, and we are here to help you receive the Father's love and to release it to everyone you encounter everywhere. Wherever you're listening from today, your God adores you. I pray this message elevates and ignites your faith. On this podcast, you will find biblical messages to activate your faith, as well as our You Asked For It series, where we address your questions about trusting God's goodness as Father and living out His fullness as beloved sons and daughters. To find out more about Overflow Church, visit us at myoverflowchurch.com or on Facebook at Overflow Church Brandon. We'd also love to encourage you to check out our book, Life in the Overflow, and its accompanying devotional at Amazon.com. He's good, amen. He's good, he is good, and he does not know how to fail us. I am excited this morning, Overflow Church. How are we doing? So we've got the joy this morning of one of my closest friends and my brother to be able to come and share with us. And I want to tell you just a little bit. I've had an opportunity to walk with Caleb Hires now a number of years. We've walked as co-pastors and friends in the region. Four and a half years ago, we got the opportunity to go and minister in Israel together. And at that time, he told me about this crazy vision that God gave him to plant a church. And that church in our region, the resting place, was planted four years ago last week. And they just celebrated their fourth campus opening across the Tampa Bay region. And so as they've been running, Caleb is, is a is a fireball of passion for Jesus, ready to run at every point. But he's a lot more than that. As, as Caleb has had an opportunity to walk, I've never met a man more selfless that's ready to run with the kingdom with an apostolic call for our region. And I want you to understand what that means. As he came, it wasn't just Caleb and I, our friends, and we said, yeah, it'd be cool. Why don't you just come hang out today? We believe with all of our heart, as Pastor Lynn has been walking as a spiritual father for Caleb, as I've been walking with his brother, God has given Caleb a message for this region that the church needs to be one. And so he's written this book, Common Unity. I so much believe in it. I got to write a few uh, questions in the back of the book, which was amazing. And so he's coming this morning to share this message. And I know that we're going to make him welcome, but this is what I want. Right now, he didn't come this morning just to be among friends. We came to see Jesus move. So you want that this morning? I want you to join me right now. Just put your hand on your heart. Would you say, Jesus, I am ready for you to speak to me. Come and challenge anything you need to challenge. If there's anything I'm holding in my head or in my heart that is not you, I don't want it. I'm ready to see your church stand completely as one. I bless my brother Caleb. I receive from him. I celebrate him. Come and speak to me now. And if you agree with that, say amen. Overflow Church, would you give a very warm welcome to my friend, Caleb Hires. Amen, amen, amen. Hello, everyone. I'm going to get as close to you as possible and bother the cameraman. Sorry. (laughs) 
Oh my goodness, I'm so thankful to be here, and I just dearly love your leadership. Uh, Pastor Lynn and Robin have been absolutely vital to me, uh, to my wife and I, uh, my my amazing wife, Jamadi. Our two boys are at home. They're watching on live stream. Hey, babe. Uh, and they say hi. Uh, they love you, and uh, I'm just... I'm so, this church is more than you think it is, and that's okay. <laughs> uh, I'm just so thankful for just everything Chuck just said, for Pastor Lynn, for Chuck as well, just the way we've been walking. We meet all the time. We meet bi-monthly. We need to see each other often, uh, and it's different different um, circles, but some are with other pastors. Some are just with us, you know, also with Pastor Gio at Abide, and I'm just thankful I'm thankful for this place. I'm thankful for you all being here today. And I'm, I do not take this lightly. I take this very seriously, what's about to happen. I'm, I know the, uh, the prayer. I know the integrity. I know the story of this house and where I'm standing right now. And I take that very seriously. And I hope you know that I'm, I'm not just going to throw things at you today. This is an assignment from the Lord. I, I am on an assignment from Jesus today. I, I'm not being audacious. I'm just telling you like it is. I am here because I have to be here. <laughs> Does that make sense to anybody? Like, like, listen, I planted my church because I had to plant my church. I did not want to plant my church. I did not. Um, I, in fact, I called my wife crazy for even saying it out loud because she was the first one to say it out loud. I literally called her crazy. I've repented and asked forgiveness. That was not the right thing to do. I'm not advocating that. I'm just telling you how it happened, okay? And so this is very similar in that I, not that I don't want to be here, but I am here because the Lord has sent me. I have no doubt of that. And I'm preaching a message that the Lord has given me for you. And it's the same message I've been preaching. I preached in Miami. I was at Abide a few weeks ago, and it's the same message. And it's because it is a regional word. And we need it as the church of Tampa Bay. I'm not claiming uh, credit. I'm just trying to give you a box to put this in. Is that fair? Okay, before we get into it, I want to give you a gift. Can I give you something? Yeah, let's put this uh, QR code thing up. I wrote a book, called another one called, I have six books out, but this one's called The Wild, Weird, and Wonderful Ways of Yahweh. This is proving that God's not boring with biblical examples, and it just goes through all the crazy stuff in the Bible that you may or may not know is in there. Like, talking donkeys is not original to Shrek, just so you know. Okay, that's in the Bible, all right? If you think I'm weird, how about you read about Isaiah going naked and barefoot for three years out of obedience to the Lord, all right? This is all in there. So especially the young ones, the young kids, you think the Bible's boring, I will prove you wrong. Scan that code uh, and you can get that for free. I just felt like I wanted to give that to you guys today. And just because I like to start that way by giving. So you can download that. Uh, that's the audiobook. So of that. So you'll hear me reading it to you. And yeah, so amen. I just felt like giving that to you. Today, my message is called God's Blueprint for Oneness. Say oneness. God's blueprint for oneness. That is why I'm here. I want to give you that blueprint. I want to submit it to you. This is all a submission. I am your brother in Christ, and I'm here to submit to you a word from the Lord that this is how he wants to do it. There's much talk of unity, and it's kind of a buzzword, and it comes and it goes. How many of you have been in church for a long time? Anybody? Yeah, it like happens in waves, right? Like we have the unity thing, then we kind of forget about it for a couple of years, and then it comes back around, and then, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just like this wave thing. Well, there is a blueprint for it, and I think God is kind of, uh, how do I say it? Yeah 
over it. He's over us trying to do it a different way. He's like, I'm over it. Here's the blueprint. It's in the Bible. It's very simple, okay? And this is it right here. In a nutshell, God's blueprint for oneness is celebrating our differences and focusing on our common unity, Jesus himself. If we can learn to do that, we will be one. This is the blueprint, and I'm going to prove it to you with a lot of scripture, okay? This is the blueprint. But before I go any further, because I don't know all of you personally, I want to help you. I want to help you this morning. I want to help you receive this, okay? I am, my first name is Caleb. My middle name is Marcus, and there's a reason I'm going to tell you that. Caleb Marcus hires, all right? Caleb is from the Hebrew uh, root word that means dog. It does. It means specifically dog with a bone, like, you ever seen a dog with a bone that will not give it up? Uh-huh, that's Caleb. And then Marcus literally means hammer. It means hammer or warlike. So if you feel like I'm barking at you or hitting you over the head with something, it's my parents' fault. You can write them an email, okay? It's not my fault. This is who I am, Caleb Marcus. I have been told multiple times this morning, be yourself, be you, and I'm going to, all right? <laughs> Pastor Lynn calls me the spice of the kingdom of God. I'm the spice in your dish, the thing that makes you go, oh, 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 and brings out flavors you didn't know were in there. Just trying to set you up for success this morning, all right? <laughs> That's who I am. That is who I am, and I'm not going to turn it off. I'm not going to turn it off, Okay? <laughs> it might get a little spicy. It makes the dish better. All right? It makes the dish better here. All right. This is going to require something. This blueprint will require the church. Say, that's me. That's us. Come on. It will require the church to embrace the differences around her, not tolerate the differences around her. For so long, the church has tolerated the one down the street. Oh, we love them, we bless them, but oof. <laughs> oh, yeah, I used to go to that church. I don't anymore. No. I'm here for a reason, brother. <laughs> we cannot any longer tolerate the bride of Christ around us that's different than us. We have to embrace her in our differences. And we have to embrace our differences. Let me submit this to you. And actually, if we don't do that, you will not see Jesus rightly because that's his body. Yes. Are you getting this? I, I want to give it to you quick here, all right? If we do not embrace the differences around us, we will not see Jesus rightly. You are missing a side of the Lord when you disregard a part of his body. <laughs> you are actually calling the Lord himself not good. You are claiming his sovereignty is inadequate. Because let me help you. You're awesome, but you ain't all that, all right? <laughs> My church is amazing, but we got problems. I lead it, I know, okay? Listen, that song, that last song, I'm pretty convinced Pastor Chuck picked that last song just because that's my life right now, all right? That is my life. I'm like, that hit me deep. I'm like, I got to preach. I can't see straight. I'm crying, you know, because that's me. Chaos, everything. Everything seems to be broken. I got a call on the way here of something being stolen from my church, literally. I got a, something got stolen overnight from my church. I mean, like, there's like thing after thing after thing. And my firm foundation is on Jesus and there are people and places and things going very wrong. 
can anyone like just tell the truth to the room? Like there are problems. Do you have problems? Does anyone have issues? Is it just me? Uh, Those without their hand up are professional Christians. Look around, get their number, (laughs) get their number and find out their secret. I am not a professional Christian. I am a baby. I am trying to get more childlike. I'm trying to get more trusting and naive a little bit. Love is a little naive. Like, okay, Jesus has got it. How do you know? I just know. I don't know how I know. I just know. (laughs) Amen? Come on. We need to celebrate the church down the street, not tolerate the church down the street. Say amen. We should celebrate, especially those who do things differently than us. I'm so glad that Overflow is not like the resting place. I love that. We've got this problem where we're like, okay, let's get everybody to do it the way we do it, and then we can be one. That's not unity. That's uniformity. It's different. It is not the same thing. All right, have you seen that video? I almost brought it, but there's a video. It's great. It was actually a commercial, and it's this amazing master pianist. He's playing this piano and it's incredible and it's just you know he's really ripping it he's like almost Chuck Amon's level almost he's like really going for it right he's got the tails and he's just like he's just killing it you know and there's two pianos anyone seen this and he turns around to the other piano and then it's just all the keys have been changed to one note so this piano he's like killing he turns around and he starts playing the same song over here and it's just and he turns around and then boring, beautiful, boring. What's the difference? Different notes, same instrument, same song. That's a picture of uniformity and unity. Unity requires our differences. The unity of the saints requires the diversity of the saints. The unity of the spirit has a prerequisite. It's that we are one body with many parts. Can the eye say to the nose, I do not need you? Come on, right? I mean, that's the Caleb translation. I don't think that's one in there. Anyway, it's not a direct quote. (laughs) Hello, like, I'm so thankful that the resting place is meeting this morning down the street, like, I think it's like 8, 17 minutes away, and doing things very differently than you're all doing. I'm happy about that. But we've got this paradigm that needs to break about unity being actually uniformity. It's boring. If we all become the same thing, it's going to be boring, just like that piano player playing. It's just boring. doesn't matter. And you know who's the artist, right? Jesus is the player. He's the one playing the piano, and he really wants the one with the different notes because he can play it all day. If it's all the same note, it's going to be boring. But the beauty comes in the diversity. It comes in the differences. Come on, just say it out loud. I want to celebrate the differences around me. Not tolerate, but celebrate. Amen. I'm glad we're together. Unity, you know this, but unity is not about doing the same things. It's about doing whatever God calls each of us to do with the same spirit. I'm going to say it again. Unity is not about doing the same things like, oh, overflows doing this great uh, missional community thing. And yeah, we, it's good and everything. It's, it's working for overflow. And so every church everywhere all over the world, you better do it or you're outside the will of God. You are not working towards discipling people. You are not, see how sick that is, right? But it's working and it's good. And you all need to be in a missional community if you're a part of this church. Hello? 
Someone say amen. Some of the, the leaders at least say amen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Are you hearing what I'm saying? If everybody, if we thought that way, they're like, oh, it's working. Now we got to move to the thing that works. And like, we got to get the whole church on the same page. <laughs> Good luck. This church is not all on the same page. That's not a, that's not a, you know, a curse. It's an observation. It's the reality. Like it, this is not about thinking the same thoughts, doing the same things. It's about doing everything God calls us to do with the same spirit, with the same heart of love, with the same mutual submission, with a, with a true alignment with the head that allows you to be a part of the body. You cannot curse the church down the streets. I'll tell you why. It's self-mutilation. <laughs> you curse the church you came from before, you're cursing yourself. You're cutting yourself. It's self-mutilation. That evangelist on TV you don't like, self-mutilation. Hello? It's okay. You can repent at any time. Just blink so I know. Just blink. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm having fun with you. All right. I have a secret for you. There's a secret. There's secret sauce for this blueprint. Are you ready? Here's the secret. This is the secret. And this is what we're going to talk about the rest of the day. There is only one way to the Father. Amen? But there are many gates of the one way. That's the secret. This is the, this is the key that unlocks this thing. Okay? It unlocks the, blue, the blueprint. There's only one way to the Father. Indisputable. Jesus Christ the righteous. One name under heaven that men shall be saved. Not changing. Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay. If we get there, then we can go to the next part. There are many gates of the one way. There are many gates of heaven. Do you know that this church is a gate of heaven? Do you know you walk through a gate of heaven? Do you know this is prayed over? Do you know that they are laboring here? The leadership prays. I, I was here today when they were doing it. They do it week in and week out. They do it all week long. They are laboring to bring heaven on earth through this gate. And you get the opportunity of coming in and being a part of it. Now, some, um, this is like, <laughs> remember the spicy thing? Remember the spicy thing? Yeah. Remember that? Do you remember? Okay, just making sure. I just, this just dropped in my spirit. It's not in my notes. Some of y'all are in disobedience and not a gatekeeper in the house of the Lord. Some of you know you're supposed to be serving in prayer. Some of you know that, and you're not doing that. And maybe the hindrances you see around you that you're blaming the leadership is actually your lack your lack of contribution. Just maybe. That's a submission. That was free. I'll get back to my sermon now and be nice. Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. They didn't tell me anything. Nobody said nothing to me. Nobody's complaining about anything. <laughs> ah, back to the iPad. Back to the tablet. Moses had one, so I feel like it's legal. I'm going to stick to it. <laughs> bad. It's bad. There's only one way to the Father, but there are many gates of the one way. And this is just one gate. Jesus is the gate to the Father, but we are the gates for the King of glory. Did you know that you are a gate for the King of glory? In Christ, we actually become living gateways. Living gateways. A gate for the way. There's one way, but there's many gates. This is the secret. Every single one of you individually are a gate for King Jesus. I'm going to prove it with the Bible. Great book. <laughs> Best sold, least read book on the planet. That's what it is. You are a gate. You. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a gate. You're a gate for the way. You're a gate of heaven. You. Yeah, there's an individual anointing 
and there's a corporate expression. There's an individual expression and a corporate expression. Both are happening at the same time. We're going to walk through these gates. But let's read in Psalm 24, 7 through 9. Psalm 24, 7 through 9, very popular passage. You've heard it. But it says, lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who wants that? Like, really? Like, for real? Who actually wants it? Like, in your family, the king of glory. Like, really? In your workplace, the king of glory. Like, what if Jesus messed up your workplace tomorrow? Because you're a gate, and you opened the way for him to do it. Come on. That's what I want. That's all I want is Jesus, the king of glory, in Tampa Bay. Until peace reigns in my city, I'm not done. Peace is the principality over Tampa Bay and nothing else, nothing else, nothing less than heaven. That is what my heart burns for. But I know it actually will take every single gate opening for the way, for the king of glory, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates. Did you hear the responsibility? It describes the Lord but it prescribes to you a responsibility. There's a description of Jesus and then a prescription for how it's going to happen. Many of us are praying for Jesus to come back just to rescue us out of here. You know what that prayer really says? To heaven with me, to you know what, with everybody else. Mm-hmm. It's not okay. He did not say pray that way. He said pray that his kingdom would come. His will would be done. In Brandon, as it is in heaven. Amen? Oh, lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Now, when scripture repeats itself, you need to pay attention. You need to pay attention. Okay? This is important. And I want to let you in on a couple things here. This phrase at the beginning, lift up your heads, that's actually a Hebraic idiom for rejoice. It's a rejoicing. You know, somebody who has their head down is not rejoicing. You might, you might be in prayer. You might be something. You might be in depression. I don't know. But when you lift up your head, there's a re- it's literally a posture of rejoicing. He is my glory and the lifter of my head. It's, a, it's bringing me out of sorrow. So the first step here to understanding bringing in the king of glory is to rejoice. To rejoice. All right? That doesn't mean everything that's happening is happy. All right? But you can rejoice. You can have joy in even trials. Amen? Amen. So here's the key here. We have to rejoice that there are many gates, not just ours. You need to rejoice that there are other churches. I drove from my house to here. I drove past seven churches by my account. And I was praying for each one of them. I loved it. It was not a problem. It was great. It's like, wow, there's a gate of heaven. There's a gate of heaven. There's a gate of heaven. Lord, let your sovereign touch come today in that gate. Amen. Come on. We need to rejoice. Like if a church, like you have one right there, what, what if one plants like literally across the street, like literally, you're going to be happy or you're going to feel intimidated? <laughs> yeah, there needs to be a rejoicing. Yes, because all of Brandon cannot fit in this room, y'all. Not even a, the percentage of Brandon. What are you going to do? You're going to have 10 services on a Sunday? <laughs> Just turn and burn. <laughs> bang, 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 bang. Pastor Chuck, is that the plan? He's like, no. What are you going to do? Come on. Think about it. Just practically think about it. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. 
We need to rejoice that there are many gates, not just ours. This actually, it's right there. Lift up your head, oh, you gates. Does anyone notice the plurality? It's plural. It's not singular. The church down the street operates a different gate, but it's still for the one way. If Jesus is the way to the Father, if that's the non-negotiable, amen, they are a gate for that way. Amen? Come on, it's so important. The king of glory comes through many gates, not just one. So it would be absolute pride to say God is only going to bring heaven through you and your ministry. It would be absolute pride to say God can only trust you and your ministry. And it would be absolute pride to say your ministry knows how to bring all of God. That would be just absolutely audacious. Amen. Amen. It describes him as the Lord's strong and mighty. I just want to point out, if you want the strength of the Lord, you need your brothers and sisters to help you carry it. Because he's really strong. Come on, just connect the dots with me here, right? The Lord's strong and mighty. If we want the strength of the Lord, we cannot carry our assignment alone. That's why you need to be in a missional community. That's why you need to know somebody. If you're in here and you don't know people, you don't know them, like their name, like you've never been to lunch, change it today. You cannot carry the strength God wants to give you by yourself. It's designed to crush you if you're not in community. I'm going to say it again. God's assignment is designed to crush you if you're not in community. That might be too spicy. That's okay. It will crush you. If I did not have Chuck and Lynn and Gio, these last three weeks would have crushed me. They would have. I'm telling you the truth right now. They'll tell you. I'm not making anything up. If I did not have them, I would have been crushed by my assignment. Absolutely. In real time. Real time. I got major deliverance on Tuesday. Tuesday. From fear and trauma that I've been carrying for five years. Didn't even know it was in there. Come on. I'm getting freer by the moment. I don't know about you, but I am on the get free program. I'm on the get free, get loose, get faster program. That's me. <laughs> My church exists. Our mission statement is the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. I'm on the found to be free. I'm in that, that middle part right there. That's me. <laughs> That's where I'm at. I think I'm going to stay there forever. I just think more freedom is better than less freedom. <laughs> Man, your assignment will crush you if you're not in community. It's designed to crush you. There are no real lone rangers in the kingdom. They all come to a crashing halt, every single one of them, that refuse rebu uh, rebuke, they refuse accountability, they set up themselves and have no one looking in. Bad plan. It has not worked out yet. Don't try it. <laughs> are you with me? Come on. And then it says that the king of glory may come in. And I want to teach you a little Hebrew this morning, all right? It's the Hebrew word bow. You can say that with me, bow. That means to come in, but it also means to go out. So this is God coming in to us and coming out through us, in and out of us. What does that sound like? A gate, a door. That's right. It comes in and out. So the Holy Spirit is pouring into us his love, and then it's supposed to pour out. You know what happens if God just pours in and pours in and pours in and there's no outlet? It's called the Everglades. It stinks. You smell bad. Yeah, this is the world's problem with the church. She's so stuffed full of truth every week that never gets out. You just stopped up. The church needs a movement. 
my guests. Amen. Just quote that. Just quote that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know why I'm saying this to you? Because you have incredible teachers. You have an incredible teacher here. And he has given you the truth every week, more than you need every week. And if you do nothing with it, mm, constipated Christians. <laughs> this isn't an accusation. I'm just telling you what would happen if, that, if, that, if you do that. You don't, you don't apply it. You just stuff it in there. Man, Const nobody likes a constipated Christian. <laughs> it's never good. It doesn't work out. You can't bear anybody's burden because you have your own. <laughs> Hallelujah. None of that is in my notes. You're welcome. You're welcome. This is an old covenant description of the reality of what God wants to do because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, amen? But there is a new covenant description of gates and doors. It's potent. We're going to go there. But I just want to point out that in this psalm, these gates are unnamed. They're unknown as individuals or movements. They're without names and individual identities. But we're going to go to Revelation. And in the book of Revelation, the gates are named. They are. They are specifically named after the 12 tribes. That's important. They have an individual and a corporate identity. That's important. Okay? So they have multiple meanings. Yes? And if you are going to be a gate of heaven, you have to receive and release. It's right there. We live to receive and release God's love to everyone everywhere. If you don't live to receive and release, meaning whatever you hear today, whatever you hear next week, whatever you hear in your Bible study, whatever you hear from the, the Lord himself will do you and no one else any good. It won't do them any good if you just keep it to yourself. And I don't mean walk into your work tomorrow and preach Chuck's sermon. You know what I mean? Like that would be weird. All right. You're called to be supernatural, not super weird. All right. Be supernatural about it. All right. Like let's, let's be biblical here. Nowhere does it say to be super weird. I mean, God can do weird stuff, and I'm a little weird, but we're called to be supernatural. So in your way, you need to ask the Lord, Lord, how do I digest and use the nutrients of what I'm receiving? How do I apply that to my marriage, my family, my workplace? How do I apply that to my assignment on my life? How do I change the way I think about myself and others? Applying it is how you get from being, you keep from being constipated. Yes? And you can step into the anointing on your life. You know, you're the only thing stopping the anointing on your life. The devil can't stop the anointing on your life. And God is not stopping the anointing on your life. It's just you. <laughs> I love you enough to tell you the truth. It's just you. I'm the only thing. My lack of understanding, my lack of revelation, my lack of renewing my mind. Right? Come on. I'm with you in this. I'm not... I'm not pointing fingers. There's other fingers pointing back at me if I do. Okay? Let's talk about these gates. And I think you're going to see yourself. I hope you're going to see yourself, your individual and your corporate anointing in these gates. Amen? Amen. Okay, so the 12 tribes and the 12 gates in the book of Revelation, I want to submit to you that they represent different facets of the one church of Jesus Christ. This is what the Lord showed me, and this is why I wrote the book, Common Unity. This is, this is the thing he showed me, that each one of these gates represents different styles of ministry, different kinds of churches, different ways, or, yeah, gates for the way. Does that make sense? 
They're just pictures. And this is not the only thing they mean. This is just what he showed me and why I'm here. Got it? Okay. So, we, and again, we have to embrace these differences around us so that we can see Jesus rightly. And there's many layers to the concept of the new Jerusalem. But I want you to see that each gate is represented representative of a tribe or a people or a way of doing things, a way of ushering in the reign of heaven. Does that make sense? Okay. Again, this is all in submission to you. To you. I'm your brother. I'm just submitting this to you from the Lord. Let's read Revelation 21, 9 through 13. I have it in the Passion Translation. This is what it says. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the last seven plagues came to me. This is John speaking. Came to me and said, come, I will show you the beautiful bride, the wife of the lamb. He carried me away into the realm of the spirit to the top of a great high mountain. There he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Pause. I thought we we're going to see a girl in a white dress. What just happened? He's come. I will show you the bride. And he brings him to a city. You remember what Jesus said? You are a city on a hill? Yeah? Okay. Let me just, this again, it's just submission. The book of Revelation is so layered. There's so much in there. But I have a conviction. More than we are going to a new Jerusalem, we are becoming the new Jerusalem. I'm not saying we're not going. I'm not. I'm not going to give hard lines on this, but I can say for sure, we are becoming the new Jerusalem. No matter what comes, we are becoming the new Jerusalem, the bride, the wife of the lamb. Amen? I'm not here to ruin your eschatology, so I'm going to keep moving. Okay? <laughs> it was infused with the glory of God. And its radiance was like that of a very rare jewel, like a jasper clear as crystal. It had a massive high wall with 12 gates, and each gate had an angel. Each gate had written upon it a name of one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Revelation 7, we're not going to read that, but I want to just mention that it shows the gate order of the New Jerusalem. It puts them in order, these gates, Okay. And we're going to walk through it. I want you to, we're going to take gate by gate. I'm going to say the name of the gate and tell you what the name means. And it's just to show you the multifaceted wisdom of God, the diversity of the saints. The new Jerusalem does not have one gate. But we think that way. We think, oh, you remember the uniformity thing? We think, okay, everybody do it like us. Everybody get your gate in order. You know, get your house in order. The accusation of the church when it's like, you know what? Uh, this is our decent and orderly. Our decent and orderly at TRP, the rest of the place, looks different than your decent and orderly, all right? Our decent and orderly might not look very decent or orderly to you, okay? But it is, it is, and you might freak out. You might be there like, oh, what is going on over there? What is, if you're, you might look at me and go, whoa, yikes, is he going to be able to preach? I don't know. Sometimes I don't know. Sometimes I haven't been able to. I've literally held the podium and like tried to stand up for the first 10 minutes of a message once. That happened, and we're okay with it. That might not happen here, and that's okay. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's so important that we see these as individual and corporate differences that we celebrate because there's one focus, one focus. Many gates for the one way. Let's go through it. The first gate mentioned is Reuben, and Reuben means to see a son or to see the son. In Hebrew, it actually sounds like the word that means he has seen misery, he has seen misery. So this is when uh, Leah, 
mama, Leah's the mama, all right? She received a child after Yahweh saw that she was unloved by Jacob. That's Genesis 29, 31 through 32. Genesis 29, 31 through 32, all right? And this is the picture. This is the birth order. This is what happened. This is a picture. Reuben is a picture of rescuing someone from misery. To behold the son who bled and died for us and rescued us from our misery. Who is the son? It's the son of God. It's Jesus Christ the righteous. When we see him, it's important to see him on the cross. He's not on the cross, amen? He's risen at the right hand of the father. But it is important to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. It starts with Christ, the living Christ. Paul said, I know nothing but Christ, living, active, and him crucified. When you see the living Christ, you need to remember the Christ who bled and died for you, the misery that was poured out. He took on himself all your sin, all your pain, all your trauma, everything. And by his stripes, we are healed. Amen? Come on. So it's to see the sun. It's to see the misery. And this is a tribe of people. Reuben, first gate. It's a tribe of people with a gift to see the misery of those around them and bring forth a new day. This is a mercy evangelism tribe. This is the people who are dedicated, not just dedicated to the poor. They are literally moving in with the poor. Like you all give to the poor, but this is not a poor area. You understand? Like Brandon is not a poor area. You understand? Like in relative terms, obviously, right? You're like, well, I'm poor. I mean, I get you. I'm me too. I like getting to the end of the month, man. I feel it. feel you. All right. (laughs) Right. So, but this kind of church literally moves in. Like they would probably not have a building. They would like camp up. They do like pop-up church. They would like live among the poor. I have friends who do this. This is their ministry. They move into the projects and that's their ministry base. Does that make sense? Now it'd be very easy for Reuben to judge overflow. He'd be like, uh, look at these nice lights. How much did that cost? Hmm, homie up here in the red shoes. Hmm, I don't know. They look a little, a little too nice. <laughs> I don't know where you are, but they're nice shoes. I like them. It's the bass player. It'd be very easy for Reuben to come in and start making judgments because it's a different gate. But it would be totally inappropriate. It'd be totally inappropriate. Right? So I go through this in the book, and I detail this out. But when this gate is healthy, it provokes the rest of the church. It doesn't, uh, you know, accuse the church. It provokes the church to see the misery of the poor around them. Come on, do we need this gate? Yes. Yes, amen. And you might be like, that's me. Again, there's an individual and a corporate reality to both of these things, okay? Let's keep going. Simeon, next one means to hear, okay? Once Simeon was born, Leah said, Yahweh has heard that I am despised. Genesis 29, 33. I just don't think anything in your Bible is, is there on mistake. I think it's all on purpose. I think every word is there on purpose. Anyone agree? So I'm just looking at this and saying, okay, what does this mean? What meaneth this, Lord? All right? I believe you show me this is a picture of God hearing the cry of the rejected and the downcast. Hearing the cry. And this is a picture of us hearing the Lord being sons who hear, right? To hear. This is a son who's called to hear. And we need this tribe. We need this gate who doesn't just hear the cry of the broken, but they hear God's heart towards them. This is a prophetic company who's able to hear and obey. 
this kind of church might not have any notes on a Sunday, and it would drive 90% of you crazy because I know what, sh- what this house has, all right? <laughs> and there's a prophetic unction to this house, but homie is literally reading word for word, basically, as far as I can tell, has prepared every word, labored over it. That is not this. A prophetic, they'd be like, I have no message today. We're going to hear from the Lord. Let's just pray until I get it. All right, I have a, a, a guy in our church, Abraham, Pastor Abraham, if you don't know him, he is this guy. This guy, he doesn't have any notes. He walks in there and the Lord just smacks him with a message. Like he picks up the mic and boom, heaven comes out. And he doesn't even know. He has to listen to the recording. No joke. And it's scriptural, and he's quoting the Bible, and it's crazy. I could never do that. I can't do that. I have lots of notes. I couldn't do that. Chuck, could you do that? I mean, really, maybe once, maybe twice, but on an ongoing basis. Right. (laughs) I mean, but this is that kind of church. I'm just trying to picture it for you. It's a prophetic company. Does this make sense? And they could very easily come here and say, ah, Caleb, you're not not available to the Lord because the look of all your notes, you're hemming in the Lord. You know what I'm saying? But that would be inappropriate. Do we need this gate? Yeah. Amen. Let's keep going. We're going to go through all 12. Are you okay? Yeah. All right. Is this, is this helpful? Okay, good. The next one is Levi. Levi means to join. In Hebrew, it sounds like binding or attaching. This is a union word. In Genesis 29 34, Leah said, this time my husband will be joined to me. And this is a picture of being joined in union with the Lord and holding fast to the bridegroom. Let me just say this. Obviously, we all need every, all of these things, right? There's, there's an element of this that we all need, and it's all true. But these are ministry focuses. These are styles. These are ways, right? These are gates for the way. Does this make sense? Okay. So this is a tribe of people who are focused on the union of the gospel, holding fast to the bridegroom, inviting others into that same way of encountering him, focusing on his return. Abide church. If you know abide, they are a gate of Levi, 100%. That is their thing. That's what they do. All right? Literally, uh, they are just so focused on Jesus, they forget you're in the room. All right? And fancy church planters and people like that would probably say, hey, you got to really, you got to see everything through the eyes of the first time, or you got to think about that. And like, we're looking for the eyes of Jesus. And if you come into our space and ask us questions, we'll answer. But otherwise, we're just beholding him. Amen? That's what they do. Do we need this gate? Yes, we need this gate. It'd be wrong for us to accuse them of not having this kind of ministry or that kind of ministry, or to say they're not really a church or any of that stuff. That would be wrong. Amen? Come on. We need it. They provoke me. I get around Gio, Pastor Gio, and I'm like, I need to pray. I don't pray. I thought I prayed. Now I realize I don't pray. Because in comparison, I haven't prayed not even once. Man. You ever get around people like that? You're like, whoa. I get around Chuck. I'm like, I need to research more. I need to read my Bible. I need to do a better job at my job. <laughs> Come on. This is what I said at the beginning. Embracing the differences, not tolerating them. Embracing the differences. Let's keep going. Judah. The next one is Judah. This is the name of my firstborn son. And this is my church. TRP, the resting place, is 
loud praise. That's what it means, loud praise. Okay, at this point, Leah could do nothing but praise God, having been delivered from her grief and given the gifts of four sons. This is the response of the redeemed upon being joined to Yeshua and being born from above, a tribe of people with a special focus of praise and responding to the good gifts of God. This is the shout of praise before the walls come down. This is the people of high praise that break through the darkness and hard places, the worshipers who set the atmosphere with their shout. Come on. I, I, I restrained myself this morning for you all. I, I did. No, it was love. It was love. Because I did not want to pull anyone out of their worship. But I could have started shouting that third song hit. I did. I just went down on my face instead. Because <laughs> I would have distracted you all. I would have. And it's okay. I'm very different. It's good. I, I would have been that guy in the room there. But it's like, they forgot about Jesus. They see the Amish beard looking Jesus lookalike guy in the front row. <laughs> It just doesn't grow up. I don't know what to do. It doesn't go that way. Just that way. It's a neck blanket. <laughs> oh, my gosh. These are the wash the window people in worship, you know? You've seen the Tim Hawkins bit? They're like, oh, Jesus, you know. Anyway, it's not, you don't fail. It's, you know, that's me. That's me in my home church. That's us. We're, we're making laps. You know, we're getting our workout. We do our cardio on Sunday morning and we are loud. There is no like moment of quiet. There's, there's some still moments, but it is bang, 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 bang. We are going to shout every week. That would exhaust some of you. Amen. You're like, ah, uh, doesn't sound like a good idea. That just sounds like a bad plan. Sounds terrible. Like, we probably say, let's lift a shout of praise at least 10 times every Sunday. Like, you guys do it like once or twice. That's cool. We're like, shout to the Lord. It's like, we just did. We just did. My voice still hurts from the last shout. Could you please give me a break? No, this is the gate of Judah. We're going to shout. We know our assignment. We've embraced it. Do we need this gate? Not only are we the shouters, we're the builders. These people, Judah doesn't just shout for walls to come down. They build new ones. We're the kingmakers. We're the ones who, they are, we are quick to work. We are not the prayer room people like Levi. We do, we, a, a prayer meeting is just long enough to get an assignment, and then it becomes a work meeting. All right? Like, it's like, why are we still praying? Didn't you hear that? Let's do it. <laughs> it's me. I'm like in the prayer meeting. I go to Abide's prayer room, and I end up on my computer responding to emails, like, in the prayer room. I'm not being disrespectful. I'm being Judah. Make sense? Okay. Come on. Let's embrace these things. Let's keep going. I'm going to speed up a little bit. Issachar. Issachar means there is a reward. There's a reward. Leah said at this point, God has rewarded me. Hebrews 11.6 says, God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. People are like, I'm not doing this for a reward. I'm like, I'll take it. You can give me. I'll take your reward. You're laboring for the Lord, but you're not going to get the reward. I'll take yours. Sign me up. He's a rewarder of them that seek him. Every good father wants to reward their children. Come on. Come on. Come on. (laughs) These people, though, they are unlikely. It's kind of ironic. They're unlikely to have material things. God is their reward. They're like the ones who move around. They don't, like, put down roots, and you're like, no, it would be better financially for you to buy a house. Like, I can't buy a house. God might move me in two minutes. I can't go. I can't do it. i got to be able to go. Got to go. 
This is the kind of ministry that goes from place to place. These are itinerant, itinerant ministers, you know. Their only reward is the pleasure of knowing they are quick to obey the voice of God, right? There's a turnover in these kind of ministries. There's new leadership all the time. And you might be like, that's no way to build or advance the kingdom. But that would be inappropriate. It would be inappropriate to accuse them of that. Yeah? Are you thinking of other churches and ministries? Are you seeing this? Okay, good. Zebulun means dwelling or exaltation, honor. It means habitation of God. So this is a picture of carrying Christ everywhere you go, Bring, being the temple of God all day, every day, but not just in theory, but in reality, okay? Church just happens around these people, all right? Zebulun can be at lunch. It's not lunch. It is not lunch. The waitress is going to fall out under the power of the Holy Ghost. Like, it is... <laughs> You know these people? You know these people? They're just like, this is not dinner. This is an assignment. There are people here, and they're going to experience the power of God because we've been sent here. And I'm like, I just was hungry. <laughs> just came about that time of day and needed food. It's the closest one. I just walked in, but okay, you're on an assignment. Amen. This is Zebulun. Do you know people like this? Okay, good. They're the people who are seeing people healed at Walmart. They're the people that in the streets. They're the people that live a lifestyle of signs and wonders all the time. And you might go, well, see, that's what a real Christian is like. That's what every believer needs to do. I beg to differ. This is one gate for the way. There's 11 others. Does this encourage you? Come on. It doesn't excuse you if you're called to be Zebulun and you're running from it. Let me catch you before you get out the door. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, good, oh, good. I, I felt convicted for a second. You let me off the hook. No, no, you're not off the hook. If God calls you to do that, you need to do it. Amen? But don't accuse the rest of the church for not doing it. You just do it. Amen? Come on. Gad, next one. It means good fortune, good luck. It's a company of good luck. Yeah, it's from the Hebrew word that means to attack or invade or overcome. All right, this is a picture of the kingdom of God advancing violently with a smile on. <laughs> this is not like the, you know, I'm talking about the, the, this is the happy intercessor. This is not the grumpy intercessor, right? This is the one who comes out of the prayer meeting smiling. The, the one who's like going to war with joy, like they're laughing their way into the enemy's camp and laughing their way out of it. You know what I'm saying? And this is what happens. When I really am praying, I'm, I'm laughing. I am. I'm just starting to I just get the giggles. I don't know. And it's great. So this is a glory troop who also knows how to give. There's a generosity here. They bless and bless and bless. They are a people of extreme generosity. These are usually people who are, this, this type of ministry would be extremely wealthy. They hear about um, a, a crisis or a housing situation or whatever, and the church just has a couple million in the bank, so they solve the problem. Bang easy. You know, that's, that's Gad. That's this happy, generous people. There's a focus. Again, I wish all of our churches, when, when um, people were being laid off, you know, with, through COVID and everything, I said it from our stage. I said, oh, that the church would be able to pay the salaries of every single person that just got laid off for the next year. Oh, that the church could stand up and respond and say, oh, you lost your job because you're non-essential? 12-month salary. 12-month salary. We'll give it to you every month. What were you paid every month? Boom, 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 boom. Instead of saying, Uncle Sam, help. Print some more of that money, that Monopoly stuff you keep on shelling out. (laughs) (laughs) 
Being myself. We need a people of extreme generosity. You know what it takes to be generous? You got to be wealthy. You can't give what you don't have. That's not generosity. That's called debt. Hello? So I want to be this guy. I want to be able to hear about a need and anonymously meet it. Any need. Oh, somebody just got a new foster family and they need, they need a new bed. Oh, easy. Boom, 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 boom. Anonymously, often, happily. There's a ministry focus on this. And you might say, well, they are way too well-dressed. Those cars are really expensive. That is just gaudy. No, it's gaddy. (laughs) And they're happy, so leave them alone. Okay? I'm not talking about the perversion of worldly riches. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the blessing of the Lord that makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. That's Gad. Are you with me? Are we okay? Okay. (laughs) A couple more. Asher. Asher means happiness or happy one. It's the Hebrew word means to guide, that means the guide, leader, go straight. This is the joy of receiving the blessing of God. It's the joy of knowing Jesus. This is the ability to rejoice despite horrible circumstances. This is Paul and Silas rejoicing in jail after being beaten. All right? This is the happy intercessor, again, who receives the good things of God by the Spirit. We are, they're happy leaders who lead in joy, not because of, like Gad, is because they're just overabundance and things like that. But there's just an eternal joy welling up out of these people, no matter what, their pocketbook or the bank account or whatever. There's this joy that comes out of these leaders. And they want others to encounter the oil of gladness that is on the head of our bridegroom. That's their focus. That's their focus. They laugh a lot in church. They're, they're, you might have called them the, the holy laughter people. I don't know, you know, <laughs> what you have called them. I hope you call them blessed. So let's keep going. So all of you who are uncomfortable with this happy, joy stuff, the next one's for you. Dan means judgment. <laughs> yes, finally. Let's get away from this craziness. Judgment. There is judgment. Yes, 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 preacher, but... Judgment starts in the house of God. Hello, Dan. Hi, nice to see you, Dan. Good to see you. Glad you're here. We need you. I just want to point out that Jesus was judged in our place. And we have been vindicated by his blood. So the judgment for reward is okay. What I'm going to say, what I mean is if you're going to judge, make sure you do it from the mercy seat. There is a new covenant judgment, but it's only from the seat of mercy because that's where Jesus is doling out judgment, from the place called mercy. Check me. Where is he seated right now? He's in the mercy seat. Absolutely. So these are the social justice people. They're the people who can't go to sleep at night knowing that there are, there's political reform that needs to happen and the poor are being marginalized and, and all that stuff. And you just you have a burden for this. You have a burden for this. We saw this in, in COVID. We saw this in the last few years, an emergence of the perversion of this, but there's a pure version to every perversion. So instead of getting mad about the perversion, why don't we call people to the pure one? There is a pure place of judgment from a place of mercy that says that's wrong. It needs to stop because of mercy. Are you hearing me? Okay. Amen. That's Dan. Next one. All of you who are like, yeah, no more happy. Next one, wrestling. Naphtali means wrestling, struggle, contest, or fight. 
Rachel was wrestling with her sister, Genesis 30, verse 8, when this all went down. Naphtali, I don't know how to say it. You can ask Chuck later. He's a real teacher. We know <laughs> our struggle in Ephesians 6, 12, our struggle is not against what? Flesh and blood, right? So people are not your problem. They're your opportunity for growth. This one's free. If you're calling the person your problem, you're the one with the problem because you're not seeing it rightly. It's your opportunity for growth. Your spouse isn't your problem. It's your opportunity for growth. That coworker's not your problem. It's an opportunity for growth. How? Growing in love. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Grow me in love, Lord. He sends you someone who's hard to love. <laughs> you should pray it. People say, don't pray for patience. I said, that's the first thing love is. Pray for patience. Love is patient. First thing love is is patient. So don't dissuade people from praying for patience. Let's just not begrudge the process. <laughs> okay. Amen. Naphtali is a tribe of people who will go to war in prayer over the principalities and powers of darkness in this world. And they are the ones that are a little scary to pray with, you know? <laughs> you know these people? <laughs> Don't look around the room if they're here. <laughs> they're like, in the name of Jesus, I declare no weapon, no weapon, no weapon formed against you. They're not like, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for breakthrough. We thank you, Lord, and they're excited. Like, Pastor Chuck will go to war, but it sounds like a hug. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's not these people. It's not these people. They're like, I'm going to break everything in here. And if you get in my way, you're in the way of God. So come into agreement. That's Naphtali, the rest of the struggle. And the happy intercessors of Asher are like, ah, you shouldn't do it that way. And Naphtali is like, y'all need to get with the program. There are people dying. <laughs> These people have a special grace on their life to use the pain of their past to bring people out of the pit of despair. There's a grace there. There's a grace there to get in the pit with someone, feel it, empathize, and bring them out. That's what Redeemer means. Redeemer means to get into the muck and pick you up and carry you out. And it takes a struggle sometimes. There is a wrestle sometimes. You're like, ah, that's just, you're fighting the wrong battles. No, that's their gate. Amen? Amen. And I'm not saying we should fight battles that Jesus already won. I'm not saying that. There's a proper place and time and all stuff. But I'm saying there's an anointing. Did you know that Acts 14, 22, in case you don't believe me, says it's through many tribulations that we actually enter the kingdom of God. <laughs> through many struggles. Uh-huh. Okay. Amen. All right, a couple more. You okay? Only two more. You're doing great. You look great. You're doing great. You sound great. You smell great. Thanks for being here. This is good. <laughs> oh, this is fun. Next one, Joseph. Joseph means may he add another. So if you're done having babies, don't name the current one Joseph. Okay, because that's literally, give me another one. That's what it means. Do it again, Lord. Add another. Do another one of that. So if you're done... I don't recommend, you know, whatever. God is sovereign over vasectomies. Watch out, all right? He will, if it's a time to be born, it's a time to be born. Just, okay. <laughs> ah, this is a picture of the people of God growing into the perfect likeness of Christ. There are actually, did you know this? There are 50 comparisons to the life of Jesus in Joseph's life. 50, five, zero. 50 comparisons, like this is just like what he went through. He's a, like a forerunner 
like a picture of Jesus in the scriptures. In Romans 8, 29, after it, you know, Jesus was raised from the dead and God said, I want another. He's looking for those who look just like his son. Romans 8, 29. We're going to read that verse in a second. But Jesus is the firstborn of many brethren, right? So those who are able to forgive just like Jesus forgives. Those who are able to care just like Jesus cares. This is a heavy assignment. This is a big deal. But this is a picture of maturity, so they look like Jesus, and they say things like, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing while he's being nailed to the cross, while he's being beaten to death. That's Joseph. We need a tribe of people who, when people try to hurt them, they respond like Jesus would. And again, we all need to do this, but there's a special focus, releasing revelation about forgiveness, a special focus, a grace to forgive on this tribe. Do we need this gate? Yeah, come on. And finally, Benjamin means son of my right hand. This is a picture of a right-hand people. Every Benjamite in the Bible was left-handed. So that's the only way you can be a son of his right hand. You're left-handed. You put your dominant hand in there. Isn't that cool? This is a picture of people who actually won't fit into the patterns of the world. They're lefties. You know, anybody in here a lefty? Yeah, it's been like a struggle your whole life. Like at, at school, the desk wasn't made for you. That's the, that, there's an anointing in that called Benjamin. It's good. It's so other that the world doesn't understand it, and the church kind of goes, I don't even know what to do with you. I don't even know what to do with you because you're obviously from God, but I don't get you. I don't understand you. There's no box for you. These are the out-of-the-box people. We need a people who so perfectly express the beauty of the Lord that they walk hand in hand with God. And let me help you, the beauty of the Lord can be very strange. Yeah? Very strange. Some of you, like, you thought it was a homeless guy. It was an angel. Right? Entertaining angels. Have you heard this? Jesus said something. This is what you've done unto them, you've done unto me. Right? Paul was a Benjamite. Paul gave the revelation of sonship. So this is a picture of the sons and daughters of God being revealed, those who truly display, display the image and likeness of God. This, is a, this church focuses on sons and daughters. They are just going to release the reality of your sonship, your daughtership. They're going to train you up in royalty. They're going to equip you. They're going to get rid of all the worldly patterns, and there's going to be this other anointing on it. We might just be at the gate called Benjamin, just so you know. That's my assessment of this church, my submission. This is Benjamin. Overflow is Benjamin. Calling the rest of the church into true maturity. And it's not going to look this way or that way. I mean, raise your hand if you're a lefty. Again, raise your hand. Really high. Really high. That's actually a lot of lefties per capita, so that's just interesting to me. That's it's not usually that many people. So hmm, maybe that's an I don't know. This is a submission. Yeah, I don't we're not going to talk about it if I'm wrong. So, <laughs> so here's what's amazing about this. Again, we have to embrace the differences around us so that we can truly see Jesus rightly. Amen? Amen? I actually was able, don't put it up yet, I was able to put this into a sentence. This actually all makes a sentence. It's crazy. Like nothing in your Bible is on accident. The, the meanings of their name, I'll make like a short paragraph. I'm going to read it to you. And I want you just to hear this and tell me if it's okay to miss one of these parts. Because I don't think it is. If we don't have the whole thing, then we're going to miss it. Here's what it says. I put it all in a sentence. 
Here it is. See the son so that you can hear and join him. Loud praise always brings reward to the habitation of God. Good fortune and happiness comes with judgment and struggle, but there will be added another who is just like the son of my right hand. Right? Isn't that crazy? The meaning of their names lined up. That's what it is. You can check me on all this. Strong's Concordance is where I got it from. Okay? Who is the son? Who is just like the son of his right hand? Who is that called? Who is called to be that? The bride of Christ. Us. Romans 8, 28 through 29. It says, we know, you know this verse, that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Did you hear that? Those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Many brethren and sistren. That's the Caleb Living translation right there. CLT. Did you know your destiny is to look just like Jesus? My question is, are you running hard after your destiny? Are you seeing the other gates as necessary for your destiny? Are you leaning in intentionally to embrace the differences around you, to focus on Jesus? And your friends at work who, do, who go to another church and they do things very differently, are you still leaning in and looking for Jesus, Christ in them, the hope of glory? Really? Or are you just kind of like, mm, I got my thing over here, you got your thing over there, praise God, but let's not, like, connect. <laughs> You're weird. Yeah? You know there's supposed to be walls between the churches? We say let the walls come down. No, let the walls get put in the right place. Gate, connecting wall. Gate, connecting wall. Gate, connecting wall. There's supposed to be walls between us, but there's supposed to be connectors, not dividers. Connecting. This is what's happening. It's happening. We are living this out in real time. That's why I feel like I have a right to come here and talk about this to you. Because this is happening in real time. We are, we're coming together. We're collaborating. Even this morning during prayer, I had a picture of something that we're going to do. Should I say it? Okay. I've only talked to Chuck about this. I haven't talked to my team or Abide or anybody. But where two or more agree, <laughs> where two or more abide anything on earth or loose anything, here we are. I had a, yeah, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. So this morning I saw it. I just saw this, this picture of the rest in place, overflow, and abide coming together in this room and doing a worship recording, all, each one bringing one song, one original song, and we all three churches come together, sing it together, record it, take video, and release it as a picture of what can happen when a region says yes to Jesus. Yeah? I mean, we're all songwriters, all of us. It's, it's a commonality. So that's part of the, the walls between us. We connect through our songs. I would like to see the resting place sing valleys and songs. I'd like to see you all sing the resting place songs and abide. And we, we should be sharing because we're here together. And we could have, you know, we would do it in the middle here and like everybody would be surrounded. So like we're all in the middle and we all take turns leading the songs and you sing together. Doesn't that sound amazing? Yeah, come on, let's do it. We're in agreement. They agree. We just have to tell Gio. <laughs> yeah, 
He watches your live stream, so maybe he's, he might have found out. <laughs> He'll find out later. Yeah, they already heard it in prayer this morning with Jesus because they were there. They heard it. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. God's blueprint for oneness is his bride celebrating her differences and focusing on our common unity, Jesus himself. Amen? Amen? All right. Thank you for letting me speak to you today. I want to welcome up Chuck and Lynn to close us out.